good afternoon and welcome to season two, episode nine of Straight Talking English. I am your host, Catherine, straight S-T-R-A Talk English on Twitter, straighttalkenglish.com and rapidly rattling my way through this season, I'm really amazed. Today's episode is going to concentrate on the plot of Romeo and Juliet, purely presenting you the story. If you want to listen to it in conjunction with the background, which was the previous episode, that is a really good idea. A couple of apologies at the start. There is so many more clips and bits of the play I could have picked to focus on. As it is, it was a tough decision. I've cut out quite a lot, but I focused on the scenes that mostly come up in the GCSE exams. Other apologies. This is quite a long episode, so I hope you like it. I'm not going to be explaining all of Shakespeare's language, or we will be here all day, but I'm hoping you will enjoy the rhythm, the rhyme, the wonderful acting in my clips today. So let's get on with the story. The story starts, of course, with the famous prologue. People ask me quite a lot, what's the point? Everyone hates spoilers. But not only does this explain the bits the actors can't show, like the run-up to the feud, why it started, the previous battles, it also prompts the audience to stay focused. Because far more than us today, Elizabethan culture is based on listening for pleasure. You would hear someone tell a story if you can't read. You would listen to a service in church, rather than necessarily be expected to study the Bible, a summary in advance prepares you for the listening you're going to do and serves this really practical role. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona where we lay our scene, from ancient grudge break to new mutiny, where civil blood makes civil hands unclean. From forth the fatal loins of these two foes, a pair of star-crossed lovers take their life, whose misadventured, piteous overthrows doth with their death bury their parents' strife. The fearful passage of their death-marked love and the continuance of their parents' rage, which but their children's end naught could remove, is now the two hours' traffic of our stage, the which if you with patient ears attain, what here shall miss, our toil shall strive to mend. Alright, so the play opens on a street in Verona with a fight between the Montagues and the Capulets. This establishes the theme of conflict from the very start and an attraction that many Elizabethans enjoyed was exhibition sword fights. Think kind of like WWE where it looks like a real and vicious fight but it's there for entertainment and this part of the play would have been an exhibition sword fight which Elizabethans would be able to enjoy on two different levels. Quarrel, I will back thee. How? Turn thy back and run. Fear me not. No, marry. I fear thee. Let us take the law of our side. Let them begin. I will frown as I pass by, and let them take it as they list. Nay, as they dare. I will bite my thumb at them, which is disgrace to them if they bear it. Hey! Do you bite your thumb at us, sir? I do bite my thumb, sir. Do you bite your thumb at us, sir? Is the law of our side if I say aye? No. No, sir. I do not bite my thumb at you, sir, but I bite my thumb, sir. Do you quarrel, sir? 
quarrel, sir? <laughs> no, sir. But if you do, sir, I am for you. I serve as good a man as you. No better. Well, sir, say better. Here comes one of my master's kinsmen. Yes, better, sir. You lie! You are a man! Drawn among these heartless hands. Turn thee, Benvolio. Look upon thy dead. I do but keep the peace, Tybalt. Put up thy sword or manage it to part these men with me. What? Drawn and talk of peace. I hate the word as I hate hell, all Montagues and thee. Have at thee, coward! Bills and partisans! What noise is this? Give me my long sword, Hope. A crutch, a crutch, I call you for a sword. Make way! Make way! My sword, I say. Old Montague is come and flourishes his blade in spite of me. Thou villain, Capulet! Hold me not! Let me go! Thou shalt not stir one foot to seek a foe! Hold it! Hold it! Subjects, enemies to peace, the famous of this neighbor stained steel. Will they not hear? What ho, you men, you beasts! The quench the fire of your pernicious rage with purple fountains issuing from your veins? On pain of torture! From those bloody hands, throw your mistempered weapons to the ground and hear the sentence of your moving prince. Three civil brawls, read of an airy word by the old Capulitan Montague, have thrice disturbed the quiet of our streets, and made Verona's ancient citizens cast by their grave beseeming ornaments to wield old partisans in hands as old, cankered with peace to part your cankered hate. If ever you disturb our streets again, your lives shall pay the forfeit of the peace. For this time, all the rest depart away. You, Capulet, shall go along with me. My lord. And Montague, come you this afternoon to know our father pleasure in this case to old free town, our common judgment place. My lord. Once more, on pain of death, all men depart. In the meantime, while all this is going on, where is Romeo? He is not involved in the fight. Lord and Lady Capulet, dispatch his cousin Benvolio off to find him and it turns out he's been wimping around over some girl called Rosaline in the middle of some dramatic love. Good morrow, cousin. Is the day so young? But new struck night. Aye, me sad hours seem long. Was that my father that went hence so fast? It was. What sadness lengthens Romeo's hours? Not having that which having makes them short. In love? Out of love. Out of her favour where I am in love. Alas, that love so gentle in his view should be so tyrannous and rough in proof. Alas, that love whose view is muffled still should without eyes see pathways to his will. Where shall we dine? Oh, me, what 
fray was here. Yet tell me not, for I have heard it all. Here's much to do with hate, but more with love. Why then, O oh brawling love, O oh loving hate, O oh anything of nothing first create, O oh heavy lightness, serious vanity, misshapen chaos of well-seeming forms, feather of lead, bright smoke, cold fire, sick health, still waking sleep that is not what it is, this love feel I that feel no love in this, dost thou not laugh? Meanwhile, over in the Capulet house, young Juliet is approached by her mother and supported by her very well-meaning nurse to consider the possibility of marrying a very handsome and eligible young man called Paris. Where's my daughter? Call her forth to me. Now, by my maidenhead at twelve year old, I bade her come. What lamb? What, ladybird? God forbid, where is this girl? What, Juliet? Hannah. Who calls? Your mother. Madam, I am here. What is your will? This is the matter. Nurse, give leave a while. We must talk in secret. Oh. Nurse, come back again. I, I have remembered me. Thou's here our counsel. Thou knowst my daughter's of a pretty age. Faith, I can tell her age into an hour. She's not fourteen. I'll lay fourteen in my teeth, and yet to my team be it spoken, I have but four. She's not fourteen. How long it's now to Lammas time? A fortnight and odd days. Even a rod of all days in the year come Lammas Eve at night, shall she be 14. Oh, nurse. Susan and she, God rest all Christian souls, were of an age. Well, Susan is with God. Oh, she was too good for me. But as I said, on Lammas Eve at night, shall she be 14. That shall she marry, I remember it well. Tis since the earthquake now, eleven years, and she was weaned. I never shall forget it, of all days of the year upon that day. For I then laid wormwood to my dog, sitting in the sun under the dove house wall. Julia. My lord and you were then at Mantua. Nay, I do bear a brain. <laughs> but as I said, when it did taste the wormwood on the nipple of my dog and felt it bitter, pretty fool to see it touchy and fall out with a dog. Shake, quoth the dove house. Twas no need, I trow, to bid me trudge. <laughs> and since that time, it is eleven years. For then she could stand high lone. Nay, by the rood, she could have run and waddled all about. For even the day before, she broke her brow. And then my husband, God be with his soul, oh, he was a merry man, <laughs> took up the child. Yea, quoth he, dost thou fall upon thy face? Thou wilt fall backward when thou hast more wit. Wilt thou not chew? <laughs> <laughs> by my halidom, the pretty wretch left crying and said I. To see now how a jest shall come about. I warrant and I shall live a thousand years. I never shall forget it. Wilt thou not chew? Coffee and pretty fool extended and said, <laughs> Enough of this, I pray thee, hold thy peace. Yes, madam. <laughs> Yet I cannot choose but laugh. I think it should leave crying and say, I. And yet I warrant it had upon it brow a bump as big as a young cockerel stone. 
perilous knock, and it cried bitterly. Yea, quoth my husband, forced upon my face, thou wilt fall backward, and thou comes to age. Wilt thou not do? It stinted. And said I. And stint thou too, I pray thee, nurse, say I. Peace have done. Oh, <laughs> oh God, mark thee to his grace. Thou wast the prettiest babe that e'er I nursed. And I might live to see thee married once. I have my wish. Marry that marry is the very theme I came to talk of. Tell me, daughter Juliet. How stands your dispositions to be married? It is an honour that I dream not of. An honour? Were not I thy only nurse, I would say thou hadst sucked wisdom from that teeth. Well, think of marriage now. Younger than you, here in Verona, ladies of esteem are made already mothers. By my count, I was your mother much upon these years that you are now a maid. Thus then, in brief, the valiant Paris seeks you for his love. A man, young lady, lady, such a man as all the world, why? He's a man of wax. Verona's summer hath not such a flower. Nay, nay, he's a flower. In faith, a very flower. What say you? Can you love the gentleman? This night you shall behold him at our feast. Read o'er the volume of young Paris' face and find delight writ there with beauty's pen. Examine every married lineament and see how one another lends content and what obscured in this fair volume lies find written in the margin of his eyes. This precious book of love, this unbound lover, to beautify him only lacks a cover. The fish lives in the sea, and tis much pride for fair without, the fair within to hide. That book in many's eyes doth share the glory that in gold clasps locks in the golden story. So shall you share all that he doth possess by having him, making yourself no less. No less, nay, bigger. Women grow by men. Speak briefly. Can you like of Paris love? I'll look to like. If looking, liking move. But no more deep will I endart mine eye than your consent gives strength to make it fly. Madam, the guests are come, supper served up, you call, my young lady asked for, the nurse cursed in the pantry, and everything in extremity. I must hence to wait. I beseech you, follow straight. We follow thee, Juliet. The county stays. Go, girl. Seek happy nights to happy days. And therefore the scene is set for the fateful night. To cheer up Romeo, his cousin Benvolio and his best friend Lucutio decide to gatecrash Lord Capulet's party after stealing an invite. Once there, Romeo sees Juliet for the first time, but unfortunately is spotted by her hot-headed cousin Tybalt. Friend, sir. What lady is that which doth enrich the hand of yonder knight? I know not, sir. Oh, she doth teach the torches to burn bright. It seems she hangs upon the cheek of night as a rich jewel in an Ethiop's ear. Beauty too rich for use, for earth too dear. So shows a snowy dove trooping with crows. 
as yonder lady or her fellows shows. The measure done, I'll watch her place of stand, and touching hers make blessed my rude hand. Did my heart love till now? Forswear its sight, for I ne'er saw true beauty till this night. This by his voice should be a Montague. Psst, is it? Fetch me my rapier, boy. What? Dares the slave come hither, covered with an antic face, to fleer and scorn at our solemnity? Now by the stock and honour of my kin, to strike him dead, I hold it not a sin. Why, how now, kinsman? Wherefore storm you so? Uncle, this is a Montague, our foe. A villain that is hither come in spite to scorn at our solemnity this night. Young Romeo, is he? It is he, that villain, Romeo. Content thee, gentle cuz, let him alone. He bears him like a porkly gentleman. And to say truth, Verona brags of him to be a virtuous and well-governed youth. I would not for the wealth of all this town here in my house do him disparagement. Therefore be patient. Take no note of him. It is my will. The which if thou respect, show a fair presence and put off these frowns. An ill-beseeming semblance for a feast. If it's when such a villain is a guest, I'll not endure him. He shall be endured. What goodman boy I say he shall go to. Am I the master hero you go to? You will not endure him. God shall mend my soul. You'll make a mutiny among my guests. You will set cock-a-hoop. You'll be the man. Why, uncle, it is a shame. Go to, go to. You're a saucy boy. If so, indeed, this trick may chance to scaze you. I know what. You must contrary me. Really, tis time. Well said, my heart. You are a princox. Go. Be quiet or... More light, more light! <clears throat> For shame, I'll make you quiet. What a chill in my heart! Patience perforce with willful collar meeting makes my flesh tremble in their different greeting. I will withdraw. But this intrusion shall, now seeming sweet, convert to bitterest gall. <laughs> If I profane with my unworthiest hand this holy shrine, the gentler sin is this. My lips, two blushing pilgrims, ready stand to smooth that rough touch with a tender kiss. A pilgrim. You do wrong your hand too much. Which mannerly devotion shows in this. For saints have hands that pilgrims' hands do touch. And palm to palm is the holy palmer's kiss. Have not saints lips and holy palmers too? Aye, pilgrim, lips that they must use in prayer. Oh, then, dear saint, let lips do what hands do. They pray. Grant thou, lest faith turn to despair. Saints do not move, though grant for prayer's sake. Then move not while my prayer's effect I take. Thus, from my lips by thine my sin is purged. Then have my lips the sin that they have took. Sin from my lips, oh, 
trespass sweetly urged. Give me my sin again. You kissed by the book. Madam, your mother craves a word with you. Thank you, nurse. What is her mother? Mary Bachelor. A mother is a lady of the house, and a good lady, and a wise, and virtuous. I nursed her daughter that you talked with all. I tell you, either can lay hold of her, she'll have the chinks. <laughs> is she a Capulet? Oh, dear account. My life is my foe's debt. Away, be gone. The sport is at the best. Aye, so I fear the more is my unrest. Nay, hey, gentlemen, prepare not to be gone. We have a trifling foolish banquet towards. Oh, hmm? Is it even so? Why, then, I thank you all. I thank you, honest gentlemen. Good night. More torches here. Come on, then. Let's to bed. And that is it. They are in love. Ah, so beautiful. The other Montague boys go home at the end of the night, and Romeo decides to sneak into Juliet's garden to see her. This is Act Two, Scene Two, the famous balcony scene. He jests at scars that never felt a wound. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief, that thou, her maid, art far more fair than she. Be not her maid, since she is envious. Her vestal livery is but sick and green, and numbered fools do wear it. Cast it off. <gasps> it is my lady. Oh, it is my love. Oh, that she knew she were. She speaks, yet she says nothing. What of that? Her eye discourses. I will answer it. I am too bold. Tis not to me she speaks. Two of the fairest stars in all the heaven, having some business, do entreat her eyes to twinkle in their spheres till they return. What if her eyes were there, they in her head? The brightness of her cheek would shame those stars as daylight doth a lamp. Her eye in heaven would through the airy region stream so bright that birds would sing and think it were not night. See how she leans her cheek upon her hand. Oh, that I were a glove upon that hand, that I might touch that cheek. She speaks. Oh, speak again, bright angel, for thou art as glorious to this night, being o'er my head, as is a winged messenger of heaven unto the white upturned wandering eyes of mortals that fall back to gaze on him when he bestrides the lazy puffing clouds and sails upon the bosom of the air. Oh, Romeo. Romeo. Wherefore art thou Romeo? Deny thy father and refuse thy name. Or if thou wilt not, be but sworn my love and I'll no longer be a Capulet. Shall I hear more, or shall I speak at this? It is but thy name that is my enemy. Thou art thyself 
not a Montague. What's Montague? There's no hand, no foot, no arm, no face, nor any other part belonging to a man. Oh, be some other name. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So Romeo would, were he not Romeo called, retain that dear perfection which he owes without that title. Romeo, doff thy name. And for thy name, which is no part of thee, take all myself. I take thee at thy word. Call me but love, and I'll be new baptized. Henceforth I never will be Romeo. What man art thou that thus bescreened in night so stumblest on my counsel? By a name, I know not how to tell thee who I am. My name, dear saint, is hateful to myself because it is an enemy to thee. Had I it written, I would tear the word. My ears have yet not drunk a hundred words of thy tongue's uttering. Yet I know the sound. Art thou not Romeo? And a Montague. Neither, fair maid, if either thee dislike. How camest thou hither? Tell me, and wherefore? The orchard walls are high and hard to climb, and the place death, considering who thou art, if any of my kinsmen find thee here. With love's light wings did I all perch these walls, for stony limits cannot hold love out. And what love can do that dares love attempt? Therefore thy kinsmen are no stop to me. If they do see thee, they will murder thee. Alack, there lies more peril in thine eye than twenty of their swords. Look thou but sweet, and I am proof against their enmity. Not for the world they saw thee here. I have knight's cloak to hide me from their eyes. And but thou love me, let them find me here. My life were better ended by their hate than death proroged wanting of thy love. By whose direction foundst thou out this place? By love, that first did prompt me to inquire. He lent me counsel, and I lent him eyes. I am no pilot, yet were thou as far as that vast shore washed with the farthest sea I should adventure for such merchandise. Thou knowest the mask of night is on my face. Else would a maiden blush to paint my cheek for that which thou hast heard me speak tonight. Fain would I dwell on form, fain. Fain deny what I have spoke. Farewell, compliment. Dost thou love me? I know thou wilt say I, and I will take thy word. Yet if thou swearest, thou may prove false. And lovers perjuries, they say, Jove laughs. O oh, gentle Romeo. If thou dost love, pronounce it faithfully. Or if thou thinks I am too quickly won, I'll frown and be perverse and say thee nay, so thou wilt woo, but else, not for the world. In truth, fair Montague, I am too fond, and therefore thou mayst think my havior light. But trust me, gentlemen, I'll prove more true than those that have more cunning to be strange. I should have been more strange, I must confess. That thou overheardst, there I was where my true love passion. Therefore pardon me, and not impute this yielding to light love which the dark night had so discovered. Lady, by yonder blessed moon I vow that tips with silver all these fruit tree tops. by the moon, the inconstant moon that monthly changes in her circled orb, lest that thy love prove likewise variable. What shall I swear by? Do not swear at all, or if thou wilt. Swear by thy gracious self, which is the god of my idolatry, and I'll believe thee. If my heart's dear love... Well, do not swear. 
Although I joy in thee, I have no joy of this contract tonight. It is too rash, too unadvised, too sudden, too like the lightning which doth cease to be ere one can say it lightens. Sweet, good night. This bud of love by summer's ripening breath may prove a beauteous flower when next we meet. Good night. Good night. As sweet repose and rest come to thy heart as that within my breast. Oh, wilt thou leave me so unsatisfied? What satisfaction canst thou have tonight? The exchange of thy love's faithful vow for mine. I gave thee mine before thou didst request it, and yet I would it were to give again. Wouldst thou withdraw it? For what purpose, love? But to be frank and give it thee again. And yet I wish but for the thing I have. My bounty is as boundless as the sea, my love is deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have. For both are infinite. Juliet! I hear some noise within. Dear love, adieu. Anon, good nurse. Sweet Montague, be true. Stay but a little, I will come again. Oh, blessed, blessed night. I am afeard. Being in night, all this is but a dream. Too flattering sweet to be substantial. Three words, dear Romeo, and then good night indeed. If that thy bent of love be honourable, thy purpose marriage, send me word tomorrow by one that I'll procure to come to thee where and what time thou wilt perform the rite. And all my fortunes at thy foot I'll lay and follow thee, my lord, throughout the world. Madam? I come anon. But if thou meanst not well, I do beseech thee. Madam? By and by I come to cease thy strife and leave me to my grief. Tomorrow will I send. So thrive my a soul. A thousand times, good night. A thousand times the worst want thy light. Love goes toward love as schoolboys from their books. But love from love toward school with heavy looks. Hist! Romeo! Hist! Oh, for a falconer's voice to lure this tasseled gentle back again. Bondage is hoarse and may not speak aloud. Else would I tear the cave where Echo lies and make her airy tongue more hoarse than mine with repetition of my Romeo's name. Romeo! It is my soul that calls upon my name. How silver sweet sound lovers' tongues by night, like softest music to attending ears. Romeo! My Nias! What o'clock tomorrow shall I send to thee? By the hour of nine. I will not fail. Tis twenty year till then. I have forgot why I did call thee back. Let me stand here till I remember it. I shall forget to have thee still stand there, remembering how I love thy company. And I'll still stay <laughs> to have thee still forget, forgetting any other home but this. Oh, that's so lovely. Immediately upon meeting each other, that's it. They're in love. The next morning, Romeo goes to see his mentor, who's an older monk named Friar Lawrence. He agrees to perform the wedding ceremony for the young lovers because he thinks it will unite the two warring families and the violence will end. Romeo sends a note via the nurse to say the church is booked. Juliet gives her excuses to her parents and sneaks out. 
out and they get married. Lovely end of the story, turn off now, it's happy ending. Nah, of course it isn't. Up till this point, the play had been pretty much made of comic elements. You've got the funny nurse, you've got Mercutio's banter. At this point, it does seem like it's a comic play, but that is all about to change. It isn't their wedding night yet, because the wedding takes place in the morning. So Juliet goes home, and Romeo decides to hang out with his friends. I pray the good Mercutio, let's retire. The day is hot, the Capulets are abroad, and if we meet, we shall not escape abroad. For now, these hot days is the mad blood stirring. Thou art like one of these fellows that, when he enters the confines of a tavern, claps me his sword upon the table and says, God, send me no more need of thee. And by the operation of the second cup, draws him on the drawer, when indeed there is no need. And I like such a fellow. Come, come! Thou art as hot a jack in thy mood as any in Italy, and as soon moved to be moody, and as soon moody to be moved. And what two? What, nay, and there were two such. We should have none shortly, for one would kill the other. Thou? Why, thou wilt quarrel with a man that hath a hair more or a hair less in his beard than thou hast. Wait. Thou wilt quarrel with a man for cracking nuts, having no other reason but because thou hast hazel eyes. What I, but such an eye, would spy out such a quarrel. Thy head is as full of quarrels as an egg is full of meat. And yet thy head hath been beaten as addle as an egg for quarrelling. Thou hast quarrelled with a man for coughing in the street because he hath wakened thy dog that hath lain asleep in the sun. <laughs> Didst thou not fall out with the tailor for wearing his new doublet before Easter with another for tying his new shoes with old ribbon? And yet wilt thou tutor me from quarrelling? And I was so apt to quarrel as thou art, any man should buy the fee simple of my life for an hour and a quarter. The fee simple! Oh, <laughs> yes. simple. Follow me close, for I will speak to them. By my head, here come the Capulets. By my shield, I care not. Gentlemen, goody, a word with one of you. Now, but one word with one of us? Couple it with something. Oh, make it a word and a blow. Uh, you shall find me apt enough to that, sir, and you will give me occasion. Could you not take some occasion without giving? Mercutio. Thou consorts with Romeo. Consort? What? Dost thou make us minstrels? And if thou make minstrels of us, look to hear nothing but discords. Here's my fiddlestick. Here's that shall make you dance. Zones! Consorts! We talk here in the public haunt of men. Either withdraw to some private place, or reason coldly of your grievances, or else depart. Here all eyes gaze on us. Men's eyes were made to look. And let them gaze. I will not budge for no man's pleasure, I. Benfolio. Well, peace be with you, sir. Here comes my man. But I'll be hanged, sir, if he wear your livery. Marry, go before to field. He'll be your follower. Your worship in that sense may call him man. Romeo. The love I bear thee can afford no better term than this. Thou art a villain. Tybalt, the reason that I have to love thee doth much excuse the appertaining rage to such a greeting. <laughs> villain am I none. Therefore farewell, I see thou knowest me not. Boy, this shall not excuse the injuries that thou hast done me. Therefore turn and draw. I do protest I never injured thee. But love thee better than thou canst devise, till thou shalt know the reason of my love. And so, good Capulet, which name I tender as dearly as mine own, 
Be satisfied. Oh, <laughs> calm, dishonorable, vile submission. And the staccato carries it away. Tybalt, you rat catcher. Come, will you walk? What wouldst thou have with me? Good king of cats, nothing but one of your nine lives that I mean to make bold with all, and as you shall use me hereafter, dry beat the rest of the eight. Now, will you pluck your sword out of his pilcher by the ears? Make haste! Lest mine be about your ears ere it be out. I am for you! Gentle Mercutio, put thy rapier up. Come, sir, your passado. Draw, Benvolio! Beat down their weapons! Gentlemen, for shame, forbear this outrage! Tibbus! Mercutio, the prince expressly hath forbid this banding in Verona streets! Hold, Tybalt! Good Mercutio! Mercutio! Away, Tybalt! I am hurt. A plague of both your houses? I am spared. Is he gone and hath nothing? What art thou hurt? Aye. 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 A scratch, a scratch. Mary, tis enough. Where is my page? Go, villain, fetch a surgeon. Courage, man. The hurt cannot be much. Well, no. <laughs> tis not so deep as a well, nor so wide as a church door. But tis enough. Twill serve. Ask for me tomorrow. And you shall find me a grave, man. <laughs> I am peppered, I warrant, for this world. A plague of both your houses. Soon's a dog, a rat, a mouse, a cat. To scratch a man to death. A braggart, a rogue, a villain that fights by the book of arithmetic. <laughs> Why the devil came you between us? I was hurt under your arm. I thought all for the best. Help me into some house. Benvolio, or I shall faint. A plague of both your houses. They have made worms meet of me. I have it, and soundly too. Your houses. Come, bring him in. This gentleman, the prince's near ally, my very friend, hath got this mortal hurt in my behalf. My reputation stained with Tybalt's slander, Tybalt that an hour hath been my cousin. Oh, sweet Juliet, thy beauty hath made me effeminate. And in my temper, softened valor's steel. Oh, Romeo, Romeo, friend, Mercutio is dead. That oh. heaven spirit hath aspired the clouds, which too untimely here did scorn the earth. This day's black fate on more days doth depend. This but begins the woe others must end. Here comes the furious Tybalt back again. Alive in triumph and Mercutio slain? Away to heaven, respective lenity. 
and fire I fury be my conduct now. Now, Tybalt, take the villain back again that late thou gavest me. For Mercutio's soul is but a little way above our heads, staying for thine to keep him company. Either thou or I or both must go with him. Thou wretched boy that didst consort him here shall with him hence. This shall determine that. Away be gone! The citizens are up and Tybalt slain! Stand off amazed! The prince will doom thee death if thou art taken! Hence be gone! Away! Oh, I am fortune's fool! Why dost thou stay? Which way ran he that killed Mercutio? Which way ran he? There lies that Tybalt! Up, sir, go with me! I charge thee in the prince's name, obey! Where are the vile beginners of this fray? Oh, noble prince, I can discover all the unlucky manage of this fatal brawl. There lies the man slain by young Romeo that slew thy kinsman, brave Mercutio. My cousin. Oh, my brother's child. Oh, prince. Oh, cousin. Husband. Oh, the blood is spilled of my dear kinsman. Prince, as thou art true for blood of our shed blood of Montague. Benvolio, who began this fray? Tybalt, here slain, whom Romeo's hand did slay. Romeo, that spoke him fair, bid him bethink how nice the quarrel was, and urged with all your high displeasure, all this with gentle breath, calm look, knees humbly bowed, could not take truce with the unruly spleen of Tybalt, deaf to peace, but that he tilts with piercing steel at bold Mercutio's breast, who all his heart turns deadly point to point, and with a martial scorn, with one hand beats cold death aside, and with the other sends it back to Tybalt, whose dexterity retorts it. Romeo, he cries aloud, hold, friends, friends, part, and swifter than his tongue, his agent arm beats down their fatal points and twitch them rushes, underneath whose arm an envious thrust from Tybalt hit the life of stout Mercutio. And then Tybalt fled, but by and by comes back to Romeo, who had but newly entertained revenge, and to it they go like lightning. But ere I could draw to part them, was stout Tybalt slain. And as he fell, did Romeo turn and fly? This is the truth. Or let Benvolio die. He is a kinsman to the Montague. Affection makes him false. He speaks not true. Some twenty of them fought in this black strife, and all those twenty could but kill one life. I beg for justice, which thou, prince, must give. Romeo slew Tybalt. Romeo must not live. Romeo slew him, he slew Mercutio. 
who now the price of his dear blood doth owe? Not Romeo, Prince! No! He was Mercutio's friend. His fault concludes but what the law should end, the life of Tybalt. And for that offence, immediately we do exile him hence. I have an interest in your hate's proceeding. My blood for your rude brawls doth lie a-bleeding. I'll immerse you with so strong a fine that you shall all repent the loss of mine. I will be deaf to pleading and excuses. Nor tears, nor prayers shall purchase out abuses. Therefore use none. Let Romeo hence in haste. Else when he is found, that hour is his last. Bear hence this body and attend our will. Mercy but murders, pardoning those that kill. Well, that ruins that then. Nice one. Everyone is very, very sad. Both the lovers are absolutely distraught. But they manage to sneak in one night together before Romeo has to leave for his exile in Mantua. Thou be gone. It is not yet near day. It was the nightingale and not the lark that pierced the fearful hollow of thine ear. Nightly she sings on yon pomegranate tree. Believe me, love, it was the nightingale. It was the lark, the herald of the morn. No nightingale. Look, love, what envious streaks do lace the severing clouds in yonder east. Night's candles are burnt out. And the jocund day stands tiptoe on the misty mountain tops. I must be gone and live or stay and die. Yon light is not daylight. I know it, I. It is some meteor that the sun exhaled to be to thee this night a torchbearer <laughs> and light thee on my way to Mantua. Therefore stay yet. Thou needs not to be gone. Let me be taken, let me be put to death. I am content so thou wilt have it so. I'll say yon grey is not the morning's eye. Tis but the pale reflex of Cynthia's brow. Nor that is not the lark whose notes do beat the vaulty heaven so high above our heads. I have more care to stay than will to go. Come, death and welcome. Juliet wills it so. How is it, my soul? Let's talk. It is not day. It is. It is. High hence be gone away. It is the lark that sings so out of tune, straining harsh discords and unpleasing sharps. Some say the lark makes sweet division. This doth not so, for she divideth us. Some say the lark and loathed toad changed eyes. And oh, now I would they had changed voices too, since arm from arm that voice doth us affray, hunting thee hence with hunts up to the day. Oh, now be gone. More light and light it grows. More light and light, more dark and dark our woes. Madam! Nurse! Your lady mother is coming to your chamber. The day is broke. Be wary. Look about. Then window let day in and let life out. Farewell, farewell. One kiss and I'll descend. Oh, that is sad and lovely. To chew Juliet up, since they assume she's only upset by her cousin Tybalt's death, 
Her parents bring forward her marriage to Paris. She refuses since she's already married and they don't know that. And her dad kicks off. How, 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 how? Chopped logic? What is this? Proud and I thank you and I thank you not and yet not proud? Mistress Minion, you thank me no thankings nor proud me no prouds but fettle your fine joints against Thursday next to go with Paris to St. Peter's Church or I will drag thee on a hurdle thither. Out, you green sickness carrion. Out, you baggage, you Fie, what are you mad? Father, I beseech you on my knees. Hear me with patience, but to speak a word. Hang thee, young baggage, disobedient wretch. Absolutely desperate by this point, Juliet runs to see Friar Lawrence, who performed the wedding ceremony, one of the few people she can rely on, as she knows he is sympathetic to the lovers. She asks him for help, and he offers her a potion that will make her seem dead. The idea being her parents will inter her in the crypt. For the record, imagine a crypt like um like a big house full of coffins rather than under the ground. She'll be very, very fast asleep, but when she wakes up, Friar Lawrence will have arranged for Romeo to be there and pick her up to start a new life together. She panics, but she is really determined. She's very resolute and Juliet takes the potion and is buried. Unfortunately, the messenger Friar Lawrence sends was unable to deliver the letter as he ended up quarantined in a plague-stricken village. Romeo, by now, has heard about Juliet's death and illegally buys poison and rushes back to Verona. Paris, Juliet's proposed husband, did quite like her and he's laying flowers at her tomb. When Romeo shows up, Paris recognises him and is killed by Romeo after he tries to arrest him. Romeo sneaks into the tomb just as Friar Lawrence is rushing across town to get to Juliet as she wakes up. Holy Franciscan Friar! Brother! Oh! This same should be the voice of Friar John. Welcome from Mantua. What says Romeo? Oh, if his mind be writ, give me his letter. Going to find a barefoot brother out, one of our order, to associate me, here in this city, visiting the sick, and finding him, the, the searchers of the town, suspecting that we both were in a house where the infectious pestilence did reign, sealed up the doors and would not let us forth, so that my speed to Mantua there was stayed. Who bear my letter then to Romeo? I could not send it. Here it is again. Nor get a messenger to bring it thee. So fearful were they of infection. Unhappy fortune. By my brotherhood, the letter was not nice, but full of charge of dear import, and neglecting it may do much danger. Friar John, go hence, get me an iron crow, and bring it straight unto my cell. Brother, I'll go and bring it thee. Now must I to the monument alone. Within this three hours will fair Juliet wake. She will beshrew me much that Romeo hath had no notice of these accidents. But I will write again to Mantua and keep her at my cell till Romeo come. Poor living corpse, closed in a dead man's tomb.
tongue. Hence, and stand aloof. Yet, put it out, for I would not be seen. Yes, my lord. Under yon yew trees lay thee all along, holding thy ear close to the hollow ground. So shall no foot upon the churchyard tread, being loose and firm with digging up of graves, but thou shalt hear it. Whistle then to me a signal that thou hearst something approach. Give me those flowers. Do as I bid thee, go. Oh, I am almost afraid to stand alone here in the churchyard. Yet I will venture. Sweet flower, with flowers thy bridal bed I strew. Oh, oh, thy canopy is dust and stones, which with sweet water nightly I will dew, all wanting that with tears distilled by moans. The obsequies that I for thee will keep nightly shall be to strew thy grave and weep. The boy gives warning. Something doth approach. What cursed foot wanders this way tonight to cross my obsequies and true love's right? What with a torch? Muffle me night a while. Give me that mat and the wrenching iron. Hold, take this letter. Early in the morning, see thou deliver it to my lord and father. Yes, sir. Give me the light. Upon thy life I charge thee, whate'er thou hearest or seest, stand all aloof and do not interrupt me in my course. Why I descend into this bed of death is partly to behold my lady's face, but chiefly to take thence from her dead finger a precious ring, a ring that I must use in dear employment. Therefore, hence, be gone. But if thou, jealous, dost return to pry in what I father shall intend to do, by heaven I will tear thee joint by joint and strew this hungry churchyard with thy limbs. The time and my intents are savage wild, more fierce and more inexorable far than empty tigers or the roaring sea. I will be gone, sir, and not trouble you. So shalt thou show me friendship. Take thou that. Live and be prosperous and farewell, good fellow. For all the same, I'll hide me hereabout. His looks I fear, and his intents I doubt. <coughs> thou detestable moor, thou womb of death, gorged with the dearest morsel of the earth, thus I enforce thy rotten jaws to open, and in despite I'll cram thee with more food. This is that banished haughty Montague that murdered my love's cousin, with which grief it is supposed the fair creature died, and here is come to do some villainous shame to the dead bodies. I will apprehend him. Stop thy unhallowed toil, vile Montague. Can vengeance be pursued further than death? Condemned villain, I do apprehend thee. Obey me, and go with me, for thou must die. I must indeed, and therefore came I hither. Good, gentle youth, tempt not a desperate man. Fly hence and leave me. Think upon these gone, let them affright thee. I beseech thee, youth, put not another sin upon my head by urging me to fury. Oh, be gone! By heaven, I love thee better than myself, for I come hither armed against myself. Stay not, be gone, live, and hereafter say a madman's mercy bid thee run away. I do defy thy conjuration and apprehend thee for a felon here. Wilt thou provoke me? Then have at thee, boy. Oh, Lord, they fight. I will go call the watch. Ah! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
I am slain. If thou be merciful, open the tomb. Lay me with Juliet. In faith I will. <laughs> Let me peruse this face. Mercutio's kinsman, noble county Paris. What said my man when my betossed soul did not attend him as we rode? I think he told me Paris should have married Juliet. Said he not so, or did I dream it so? Or am I mad hearing him talk of Juliet to think it was so? Oh, give me thy hand, one writ with me in sour misfortune's book. I'll bury thee in a triumphant grave. A grave? Oh, no, a lantern-slaughtered youth. For here lies Juliet, and her beauty makes this vault a feasting presence full of light. Death, lie thou there by a dead man interred. How oft when men are at the point of death have they been merry, which their keepers call a lightning before death. Oh, how may I call this a lightning? Oh, my love, my wife, death that hath sucked the honey of thy breath hath had no power yet upon thy beauty. Thou art not conquered. Beauty's ensign yet is crimson in thy lips and in thy cheeks, and death's pale flag is not advanced there. Tybalt, liest thou there in thy bloody sheet, Oh, what more favour can I do to thee than with that hand that cut thy youth in twain to sunder his that was thine enemy? Forgive me, cousin. Ah, dear Juliet, why art thou yet so fair? Shall I believe that unsubstantial death is amorous? and that the lean of horrid monster keeps thee here in dark to be his paramour. For fear of that I still will stay with thee, and never from this palace of dim night depart again. Here, here will I remain, with worms that are thy chambermaids. Oh, here will I set up my everlasting rest and shake the yoke of inauspicious stars from this world-wearied flesh. Eyes, look your last. Arms, take your last embrace. And lips, O oh, you the doors of breath, seal with a righteous kiss a dateless bargain to engrossing death. Come, bitter conduct, come, unsavory guide, thou desperate pilot, now at once run on the dashing rocks thy seasick, weary bark. Here's to my love. Oh, 
true apothecary. Thy drugs are quick. Thus, with a kiss, I die. St. Francis be my speed. How oft tonight shall my old feet stumbled at graves? Who's there? Here's one, a friend, and one that knows you well. Grace be upon you. Tell me, good my friend, what torch is yon that vainly lends his light to grubs and eyeless skulls? As I discern, it burneth in the Capel's monument. It does so holy, sir. And there's my master, one that you love. Who is it? Romeo. How long hath he been there? For half an hour. Go with me to the vault. I dare not, sir. My master knows not that I am gone hence. And fearfully did menace me with death if I did stay to look on his intents. So then, I'll go alone. Fear comes upon me. Oh, much I fear some ill, unthrifty thing. As I did sleep under this yew tree here, I dread my master and another fault. And that my master slew him. Romeo! Alack, alack, what blood is this which stains the stony entrance of this sepulchre? What mean these masterless and gory swords to lie discoloured by this place of peace? Romeo! Oh, pale! Who else? What, Paris too, and steeped in blood? Ah, what an unkind hour is guilty of this lamentable chance. The lady stirs. Oh, comfortable friar. Where is my lord? I do remember well where I should be. And there I am. Where is my Romeo? I hear some noise. Lady, come from that nest of death's contagion and unnatural sleep. A greater power than we can contradict hath thwarted our intents. Come, come, away. Thy husband in thy bosom there lies dead. And Paris too. Come, I'll dispose of thee among a sisterhood of holy nuns. Say not to question, for the watch is coming. Come, go, good Juliet. I dare no longer say. Go, get thee hence, for I will not away. What's here? A cup closed in my true love's hand. Poison, I see, hath been his timeless end. Oh, churl, drunk all and left no friendly drop to help me after. I will kiss thy lips. Haply some poison yet doth hang on them to make me die with a restorative. Thy lips are warm. Lead, boy. Which way? Yea, noise. Then I'll be brief. Oh, happy dagger. This is thy sheath. There rust, and let me die. <clears throat> when the authorities arrive, Friar Lawrence confesses everything. The families are united in their grief and decide that they are going to raise a statue to Romeo and Juliet and promise never to fight again. And that's it. Everyone's happy. Peace reigns forever in Verona. Just as the prologue promised, their parent strife has ended. Think for a second before the next episode, before I go back into a lot of deeper analysis. 
is this a tragedy? Well, the first half is comic. And what causes their downfall is just a series of endless mishaps and bad luck of all his tragedies. This is the most commonplace, the most set in everyday life. And since it's luck rather than the gods being against them, may not even be a tragic play. And on that note, I will bid you adieu. I will be returning next episode to talk about violence, our violent delights having violent ends, to quote Macbeth. I will speak to you very shortly. Remember straighttalkingenglish.com and I'll see you soon.